Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. It's the Uticast, episode 159. And this week, uh, we are joined by uh, returning guest Joanna Robertson of the Treehouse Reading and Art Center. Check out their new website, treehousebookshop.com. They have lots of cool events. We're going to talk about that. We get a long discussion about education, modern education, how to uh, how to connect with these students when we feel like old folks happens all the time. Uh, also, this week we're going to be talking about the Boilermaker. We're going to be talking about the end of content as we know it: Netflix, video gaming, CDs. It's all happening. Uh, also this week, City of Utica Monopoly, uh, a couple history lessons, uh, getting rid of plastic, and a plea from me to the people at HBO to not make terrible, terrible mistakes. Uh, all this and more, folks, uh, we'll be back in just a second, and we're happy to have you here. Recording the intro, even though I'm not. Uh, that's okay. That's fine. Everything's good. Welcome back, folks. We're back. We're back once again to the Uticast, episode 159. Uh, it's always great to be here with my two best pals, Aww. Heather and Kevin, here every Monday to keep me sane, help me out, and break down the craziest, wildest stories of the week. <laughs> I don't ever... Are we doing all crazy and wild stories? I don't know. I never know how to, like, describe the stories when I'm doing that intro. I'm like, I have to, like, write that section of the podcast after we're done recording, that, like, little thing that pops up on yeah, iTunes that's like... Well, good. I feel like it's easier at the end once we've actually talked about yeah. things, right? Because right now you've got a general <laughs> yeah. outline of stuff you'd like to hit, but it's very often we hit a story and then we'll go for an extra ten minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So at the beginning, it's tough to be like, oh, we're going to talk about this, this, and this, because like, maybe... Yeah, the weirdest, the hardest part, this is the part that's actually, this is real inside baseball. The hardest part for me is writing the very first two lines that pop up on your thing. It's usually in a format like something, 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 true believers, we're back, podcasting champions of the world, or something along those lines. You know what I mean? Like, that's always the part, because I try and tie it into whatever we're talking about this week, so we'll have like four or five things, and I'll have to try and find some way to connect that opening line to uh, what we're talking about, and that's only for me, because nobody else probably notices. It's just for my sick, neurotic brain. That brain, of course, belongs to me. Same family, Laro, joined by Heather and Kevin. Hey. Uh, right. Heather, let's start with you this week. Oh, gee. Hey. Uh, it was a busy week. No, we start with Heather. I know. I do start with Heather every week. I do I start with Heather every but week. But she's surprised. You don't get to, I know. <laughs> I don't great. get to see oh, this wait, today? It's about me first? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, you're going to get the big July 4th lead in. It was just July 4th uh, this oh, week. On. Did no you? One, no one wants to hear what I did. <laughs> no. Did you have a nice time? Did you see I fireworks? Did. I did. We didn't think we were going to see him this year, but. I had my son nap late so he could stay up and watch them. Was he terrible the next day because he stayed awake very no, late? He was that's awesome. good. Okay. He was All right. Awesome. That's usually a that's usually a problem with my yeah. nieces and nephews when they stay up very late. I thought he was gonna be a, yeah. a butt. Where'd you go for the fireworks? Went up to inlet. Inlet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Inlet fireworks are actually very cool. We've yeah. done that before. Yes. Uh, we were on the water one year for that. Do you remember that? We were on the boat, which is very cool to be on the boat for fireworks. We were too close. Too close. <laughs> Way too close. It was cool to watch them shoot off the boat that was in front of us. They, they didn't let, they have on a big dock. You can see yeah, it yeah. shooting. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool, too. Yeah. Uh, Kev, did you watch fireworks down here at all? Uh, no. no. No, not at all. No, no fireworks. 
I didn't want to drive all the way to Proctor Park, really. And I know there's other places you could see them, but I'd actually spent most of the 4th of July in a pool. So. I would have. I saw okay. pictures of you shooting hoops. Had I not been otherwise occupied, like, I would have gone. I like the fireworks, but, you know. You did the family thing, did you not? I went to my brother's. I, there were there were so many things going on, and I wanted to get to all of them. Um, good friend of the pod, Tim Sarziak, was having a great party right around, mm-hmm. the, right around the corner from us, as a matter of fact, next street over. Um... Kate was having people over barbecue, and my brother was having people over with his in-laws and stuff like that. I ended up going up there, and I just stayed up there all night. Mm. Me and my brother and his wife talking, and his father-in-law and some other people, we ended up just staying in the backyard chit-chatting until uh, probably 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Nice. So that ended up being the only thing I did. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Um, Kev, while I'm on you, Summer of Kevin continues, off me. continues <laughs> to roll on. Uh, I see your Crock-Pot game is is cooking right now. What do you the got cooking up at the Crock-Pot oh, game? The Crock-Pot update, we're doing, uh, there's chicken tacos. There will be chicken tacos shortly after we get done taping. <laughs> yes, you you're welcome. welcome so you're always welcome to stay. You're always welcome. You never stay. I mean, she just doesn't want to. I want to. I know she doesn't. It's, it seems, it's like anything else. It's like when you get invited to something early in the day. We just talked about yeah. this. It seems like a good idea now. But after we're done with the podcast and then the wrestling comes on and then Maiden Utica's Justin Parkinson shows up, you're like, I'm not going to stay yeah, anymore. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, Kev, you also watched It for the second time, which I'm jealous of because I've been thinking about watching it again. But now you've seen it. I, it. And, I did. And you I should. have to watch it's it again. It's on uh, HBO. I was going to say, I thought I saw it on HBO. It's on HBO. Okay, mm. Put your kid to bed, turn off the lights, and soak it in. I'll have him watch it. There you go. <laughs> uh, so I don't have much for myself this week. I do have a new show, finally. I'm ready to start season two of Glow. I forced Kevin I know, to watch I watched, season... I watched episode one of it last night. The first season? No, the second season. Oh, did you like it? It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. A lot of it is just the fact that my, my spirit animal, Mark Marin is so funny and so good in it and reminds me so much of my dad in, like, all the worst ways. <laughs> I watch and I instantly think of you when I see him. Dano text, sends me text messages. I my can't, like, Dano. even... I just can't. I don't, I don't see it. I no, see but it. you're a big-time Mark Marin stan. Like, you can't I am, go five minutes. It's true. I'm a big fan. if you don't mention Mark Marin. It's true. Uh... So yeah, I'm really enjoying Glow Season 1 again and getting ready for Season 2, so that's... Season 1 was great. Did you like it? I, I expected awesome. it to be good, and everybody talked about it being good, and I figured by the people who liked it what they liked about it that I probably would, but it was still, it was a treat. It was very nice. I liked it a lot. They did a good job. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I finished The Wire last week, too. Oh! Everybody should watch The Wire. <laughs> I have to say, I'm glad that you enjoyed Season 1 of Glow, because a lot of times when you do that for somebody, when it's like, all right, I'm going to rewatch this thing I've already seen so the other person can see it, you kind of hope they like it. Because otherwise, you're like, I just watched this twice for no reason, right? (laughs) I tried that with Barry with you, I think. I watched the first two episodes of Barry again with you, and I was like, yeah, he's not into it. I'm done. (laughs) I'm out here. Barry's fine. I like Barry. (laughs) Barry was all right. They're doing a nice job. Yeah, you just don't get as much mileage out of Bill Hader as I Bill Hader's not very good. I think he's quite good. Um, He's like fish sauce. You gotta put fish sauce in some dishes. <laughs> in the right things. You really like to have it, but you can't just be spraying fish sauce all over everything you're cooking in the kitchen. It's a good, it's a good analogy, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, I'm back to work this week, so my vacation is over for the next three weeks until August comes comes in. I'm back to school. Uh, I'm not gonna talk more about that. I have some big announcements about that and some other things going forward, but we'll wait till next week. Next week, because I want to be sure. Okay. Anyhow, we'll move on. I have, that sounds uh, good. I know. I don't want to say anything. I'm gonna uh, say it's fair. not good or I'm bad. I'm just saying Nothing for is off good the record. Bad. Uh, so, I wanted to share a moment that I shared with Kevin a moment ago. It's just a weird moment in my life. This happens all the time. I bring these up sometimes to you folks. Uh, Kevin went to the grocery store today, and I asked him. You did. did. I did. And I asked him to grab cat food for Charlie, because Charlie, uh, didn't have any food this morning. I had to give him some of the emergency food that he hates out of his, the extra bag I keep Mm -hmm. around. 
And I wondered if Kevin had to go through the weird thing that I go through that I'm sure all animal goers, animal owners go through, which is we look at the food for your animal and you have this moment where you go, I wonder which one of these Charlie would like the best, <laughs> right? Is, does that I happen? Do it every time we go shop for cat food. Every time. Maybe they would like salmon this week or chicken. Do the cats have any idea is what I wonder. Probably. I think my one cat does because he won't like eat even like anything that's fish. Like, like salmon. He only likes chicken and beef. I mean, I wonder what the... other the, two will eat anything. The level, I think, is weird. Certainly, it's probably individual cats, but, like, Charlie will eat any sort of Frisco's meow mix, whatever is on sale cat food you give him. But I gave him some of uh, Kate Riley's cat's cat food, and I ran out from last time, and he's just like, nah. <laughs> Not feeling this, like, fancy cat food. So maybe he's just, like, uh... Likes what he likes. He just likes yeah. cheap food, right? He just likes the bargain base. He's a working-class cat. He's a working-class... blue-collar cat. <laughs> Um, yeah, I always, have to, I always think that's a weird moment. You know what I was like, looking at when I was in there is these people, because I, I understand that some people feed their cat, like, wet food. It's like tuna fish and gravy. Yes. And, like, I'm looking at it, and I assume you feed it almost the whole the whole can per time. I don't and think you're supposed selling, to. I mean, okay, so maybe every two times, one can a day, though. That seems like it would get not just expensive, but, like, annoying. Yeah. In a yeah. store, like, 40 cans of cat food. Like, I don't know. Wet cat food squicks me out. I'm not into it. Uh, Parkinson brought wet cat food over here once. We, when we get were it for it. the cat sometimes. And what, sometimes. I don't have a problem necessarily with it being gross. It is gross, like, when yeah. you take it off. But, like, what was weird was he did this thing where he spooned half of it out into the, the bowl mm-hmm. and then put the other half in a plastic bag in the fridge and then it skeeved me out because I was like, no, don't get the cat, like, stink on the food. Like, I know you put a bag on it, but there's no, there's no guarantee that bag. Oh, I feel like if it's in the Ziploc, you're in good shape. Ah, cat food stinks know. really strong when it's open out of the can. It's got a really pungent smell. You know, I, I, was, I don't know. I felt weird about it. Well, don't put I, cat food in sandwich. Don't put it in my fridge. Uh, so that's it. That was my weird moment of the day. Uh, Boilermaker was this weekend that has come and gone. Uh, I personally, because I did not run this year, and I did not run the 5K as an emergency backup, which I thought was going to happen at the last minute, um, uh, I felt very disconnected from it this year. Kev, I know this is your first year not having to work from the brewery for it, so yes. how was your feeling about not having to be down at the brewery for oh, it? Oh, boy, I'll tell you what. It was wonderful to take a look at it from 30,000 feet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not be anywhere near it. Um, I'll probably... I was saying to somebody else that I was talking to, because, uh, you know, obviously people have been talking about the Boilermaker all week and stuff. And yeah. It's some of my fondest memories from my time working at the brewery were Boilermaker Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, Boilermaker Sunday is, you know, it's great and it's an awesome time. But it was definitely good to take a year off. Yes. You know what I mean? This yeah. year, I was definitely not. Because I thought about going down there, but then I just, you know, not not yet. Too soon. Mm. You know what I noticed this year? They had it on lockdown big time this year. Oh, Last yeah. year, when I went to go pick up my husband, I could just drive right down into there. You mm. couldn't get in there. And it was like oh. 1 o'clock. They had mm. all the local. It mm. was, I've never seen it as locked up as mm-hmm. it was this year. Yeah. Lockdown, whichever way you want to go with it. You couldn't get in there um, for at least at least till after 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And that was you know, it's funny. Um, I felt uh, like every year we've done the Boilermaker, I've sort of brought in Jordan Peters to come talk about the Boilermaker. And because I wasn't running this year, I, I sort of felt weird about asking him to come in and talk about it and then have him try and talk me into it, which I didn't yeah. want to be done. But, you know, I think that what's interesting about the Boilermaker is it does seem to be, and I'd have to ask him if this is true or not because I don't know. I'm just speculating. 
I wonder if they'd like to start attracting more people from outside the area for it to make it more of like uh, a race. Like that, a Boston Marathon. Yeah, yeah, like one of those kind of things. And that makes you wonder if it'd they be, do. I mean, there yeah. are people who do come from a lot of different people. places and. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, and I wonder Maybe if. Maybe like other states. The I just, majority yeah. of the runners come from auto. Is that true? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to ask. I wonder. I, I just feel like that's probably where you get the most like excitement and publicity is yeah. like other people coming into your town for the race, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why the 5K has sort of become the people's race, I feel like. I see a lot of people oh, out yeah. there doing the Everybody's 5K. Just doing it. <laughs> doing the 5K. Uh, so I think, I'm sure that next year I'll be back. I'm, I'm already feeling a little bit of regret that I didn't I did too so, this yeah, year. My I husband felt, ran yeah. and I'm like, God, oh, I feel stupid. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. So next year I'll be back. I can say that pretty comfortably uh, on the pod here. You heard it here first. Breaking news. Now you got to hold yourself to it. Write it down. Episode 159. So next summer. Put it in your phone. Next summer yeah. when he's like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to put that no, in No, I phone. need to. No, put it in. I need to. Yeah, I do need to do it this year. I don't feel bad about that. That's yeah, okay. You, uh, you have an iPhone. You probably have two new phones by then. That's a great the point. The calendar always stays. <laughs> the calendar always stays. Uh, hey, so let's get into this week's main story, which is, I'm just calling it Doomsday Report Special Alert Breaking News Content Edition. We're okay. just talking about... Uh, basically what feels like a huge, like three major stories that all feel like huge shifts in the way that we used to use technology and view content and the way it's going in the future. And they all sort of tie into each other. So let's start with the big one. Uh, Kev, you actually brought this up to me after I had already thought about talking about it. So I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, Mm -hmm. Netflix, uh, now officially, uh, the most popular way to watch television in all demographics consume visual contents that's over so uh, much that's over cable that's over youtube that's, that's awesome. over anything mm-hmm. uh yeah and uh it based in one of the articles i was reading here said that once you get into the breakdowns of ages it's where you really start to see major major swells in the 18 to 34 age range right 40% of the younger demographics say netflix is the platform which they most often view video content Number two, uh, well ahead of YouTube at 17%, basic cable at 12%, uh, Hulu at 7.6, and broadcast TV at 7.5. I think it's interesting that Hulu's that low. Does Hulu Maybe not I have? I watch Hulu a lot, too. Hulu. Maybe my demographic watches Hulu. The thing with Hulu, I think, is that you've got to pay a little bit more to get it without the ads, and people mm-hmm. are really against the ads. Um, but Hulu's kind of unsung in its content, as far as the fact that it has literally like every TV show ever. I feel like Netflix, yeah. though, has just so much more to offer. Like, you can go on there and just click on anything mm-hmm. random and just start watching. Right, but if you're looking for, but Hulu has something that Netflix does not have in the content of all of its old shows Libraries. where there's a lot of stuff. If mm-hmm. you want to find that stuff, Hulu's the only place for it. You know what I mean? You go back to, like, any kind of weird show you mm-hmm. used to watch 10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even stuff like all the all the content we grew up with, uh, stuff like Rocco's Modern Life and all those old cartoons yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing, all the old Nicktoons. All the old like TGIF shows. Fresh Prince isn't on anywhere. Yeah. I've tried looking for it. That's... I think they hold. They were on something for. They used to be on Netflix, I think. Yeah. But they're one of those like larger properties where I think they hold up their rights so they can sell yeah. them for you know a large thing the way that Seinfeld did X amount of years ago, yeah. Hulu and stuff. But Hulu sort of got its own niche that I feel like I'm surprised isn't more overrepresented, and I think that's just because the ads. Has to be. Well, I said it to you earlier, and I wonder if this is part of it. My mom and my, like, that generation of people I know who has started to do the cord cutting, right, mm-hmm. starting to move away, they refer to Netflix for every platform that they use. Like, my yeah. dad's like, I saw it on Netflix. I'm yeah. like, you know what I mean? Netflix like, is anything that's not cable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also said to, to Kevin, I like when older folks, like older demographics and baby boomers and such have to use 
the names of modern streaming platforms. Like, I like when my dad's like, you watching Hulu? It's hilarious. Ah, Hulu. I'm watching all the stuff on the Roku box. You know about the Roku? I'm like, wow. These I are bought not... you the Roku, Dad. I bought you the Roku. And I had to hook up the Roku. Well, it's funny. We hooked up Zach's parents' Apple TV. And every time we go there, we're like, it's on. You can watch on Apple TV. And his dad goes, we have an Apple TV. And we're like, we've been through this. Like, Jesus Christ, sir. Like, a hundred times. What's really scary, I read about, though, for cable companies is that, you know, you get a lot of people who are cord cutters. We know that term. But what you're starting to see is people who are cord nevers. People who've never once understood the idea of why you would ever need cable television. Yeah. And that's where... The cable industry looks like they're losing pace. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's really affecting other people as well. I just saw this article before we started today. Uh, earlier this week, there was a story about AT&T, you know, recently, recently purchased Time Warner and that huge, giant uh, conglomerate. So they sort of have a hand in the table for HBO's future going forward, you know. And one of the things that was going out today and is getting a lot of rounds is that they're really trying to turn HBO into Netflix in the meaning that they're trying to get rid of the idea. They want to expand away from HBO being sort of a Sunday night-centered network that does uh, quality over or over quantity, and they want them to start buying up more stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's... Uh, that's and, I like HBO. That's the, always been the thing. Right, that's kind of their niche, and it's like, it seems like a dangerous road to start Absolutely. going on is chasing Netflix, right? Yeah. All these companies... It's going to hurt them. You're gonna see, They're going to have to, though. What are the choices they have? Are they doing bad? You can, well, there's two I choices, mean, right? I think you can either chase Netflix and try and do what they're doing better, which is what Disney kind of wants to do with their own, like, standalone platform in the future, right? Like, they just want to yeah. take all their Disney properties and say, we're putting all this on a platform, fight us, Netflix. Or if you're HBO, I think you almost kind of double down on what you already do, right? No, that's, I mean, you double down. That's the problem. I love the HBO, but there's not enough. You know what I mean? Well, that's, There's that's, just not enough. That's exactly but I want enough quality. I don't want... If I want to watch stuff like, okay, I'll go to Netflix or Hulu. But if I want to watch something good, I go to HBO. Right, but if they, I mean, if they double down in the short term to just keep doing what they're doing, kind of double down on it, when it comes down to those never cord people, they get forward and HBO doesn't hold the same cultural cachet that it does with people in our age range. I mean, Netflix is going to spend $12 billion on original content this year. They've said $12 billion. That's more than any studio anywhere is spending. You mm. know what I mean? Be it movie, be it TVs. Mm -hmm. So they're going to keep cranking out content, and in order to stay competitive, I think HBO is going to have to put out more than just the you know the few things they put out. And I think they've been putting out more shows and sort of yeah. compartmentalizing, but I think mm. that their ability to rely on these like big, big marquee Sunday shows is yeah. going to become tougher and tougher mm. as the market gets more competitive for prestige TV. This is a, this is a direct quote from uh, Warner Brothers Media CEO John Stanky. Great name, great name. Uh, I want more hours of engagement. Why are more hours of engagement important? Because you get more data and information about a customer that then allows you to do things like monetize through alternate models of advertising as well as subscriptions, which I think is very important to play in tomorrow's world. I'm sorry, this is actually just the synopsis of Westworld. I'm sorry, I missed this whole thing. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, that's the quote. Uh, never mind, it was a I got joking. it, I got it. Never mind. Uh, yeah, that's the real quote, though. They really just realized that that's, that's where it is. More monetization, more uh, content means more engagement, means more money. That is the way you have to go. You have to sort of chase that now. I feel like if, if you're somebody like HBO, you can... I don't know, there's still, there's a lot of interesting moves to be made, and I don't know, you know, all the moving pieces and the rights and the different mm. stuff of litigating through that, but, like, I think HBO, I think one of the most uh, important things going forward in the streaming wars is going to be who and how gets live sports. Yes. In a lot of ways, yeah. live yep. sports is the last thing yeah. last keeping bastion. cable, and, and not to say that's the only thing people watch, but that's the last big thing that cable has on everybody, because, like, sports we still... News. 
We've been watching a lot of World Cup, even news. People are putting news clips and videos up on their thing. Yeah. But, like, we've been watching World Cup, so we've been using this, you know, ragged-ass cable wire to still get mm-hmm. NBC yeah. and cable stations because sports it's are true. the last thing. And once somebody figures that out and makes that move and you can just, I can pay, you know, 10 bucks mm-hmm. a month to watch NBA games or whatever it is, but they might never give it up because TV rights is what allows mm-hmm. them to pay all these players so much. But yeah. that's one of the last big puzzle pieces that's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see how it plays out in the next five to ten though, years. live streaming. They do. Sports, yeah. They yeah. do. And, like, I'm saying, like, well, if I, somebody gets to all the way through where you can mm-hmm. watch everything, because mm-hmm. they'll live stream some stuff, but I want to watch a random mm-hmm. Tuesday night Lakers game. I think actually you, you make a great point because the real shift in how people view television will happen when the NFL rights go up the next time. And it's not just NBC, ABC, ESPN. It's suddenly Amazon, Netflix. Yeah. Uh, these companies who are like, we will buy these rights because we have just as much money, if not more. You know, and to put For things sure. in context, uh, this is a, a pretty good number. Uh, Netflix spent. $8 billion to put out all of their content. That's how much they allocated toward content last year. HBO allocated $2 billion. So that's four uh, four times as much money for allocation for content than Netflix. Well, if you look at where they split it up, too, like they, you know, so much of that money goes to a much smaller pool of places, too, when it comes to like HBO. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you're probably tying up half that money just in Game of Thrones CGI. Yeah. Um, but I think what you were just, you made the interesting point about... You were talking about the twelve billion spent in content and people going and talking about these streaming services having more money to offer. Yeah. And you were talking earlier about you know the Time Warner merger with AT and T. I think that's another interesting point to make about a lot of these streaming services. A lot of them are a lot more lean yeah. and have a lot more flexibility because you look at you know the people who traditionally bid on sports rights, ABC, NBC, Fox, ESPN, whoever it may be. They're all part of these like multinational conglomerate companies mm. who have a lot more red tape and moving parts and a lot more facts to consider. Whereas you know people like mm. Netflix are more primed to just go out there and be like, yeah, we'll, we'll spend it. We got the money. You know what I mean? These people put $12 billion into content. They've obviously got money. You have a, you have a two-year-old child at home. Maybe. <laughs> I know. Will you, when I left, yeah. the child when was I at left, home. When I left, he was, still, <laughs> he was home. Do you guys have cable now? You don't have cable now. No, we've you never, never There's cable. never going to be a point in time when your son even sees cable. No, he doesn't. No. He so, just knows there's a PBS app and, uh, yeah. and Netflix. Yeah, and that's, I think, again, this is the era we have to lean in. And this, again, this is another quote from Stanky, great last name. Uh, you are competing with devices that sit in people's hands and that capture their attention every 15 minutes. You're not competing against, like, stars and these other stations anymore no. in a way yeah. that it once did. I know, um, like, I think of HBO, I'm like, they're going to do fine, but truthfully, I'm the last, like, for the last generation for... It's true. For, for HBO, for, was for HBO to remember it, like, yeah, you HBO were, to mean So something. now, like, a millennial or anybody else are like, this better play something good or I just don't care about it. Where we're like, right. we, yeah, have, a, we have an attachment to HBO. Well, especially, <laughs> and especially as Prestige TV is spread out because HBO is able to ride that wave because, like, you know, you look at a lot of young people, like, what's HBO? HBO and you're like, oh, it's where, you know, they put out yeah. like, the Sopranos mm-hmm. and the Wire and these shows, but They're like, AMC put out Breaking Bad and Mad Men and, and you know, Walking all Dead these and different, all and there's tons of different shows mm-hmm. and HBO needs to do something to maintain that that sort of step above that they still hold in the minds for a lot of people because that generation is going to shift very quickly. Uh, well, we went really deep into that, so... See, that's what we said at the beginning. You can never say what we're going to talk about, because we might get caught on 10 minutes or something. Uh, You know what, this is an interesting analogy, because later on I'm going to mention something that we can't talk about, because it's not going to happen until after the show's off the air. 
Okay. Uh, but I'm glad I caught this AT&T HBO thing before we started the show, because I'm, I'm glad that tied into it. I, hey. uh, I will say, uh, the other one I was talking about is Best Buy on July 1st is pulling CDs from their store, uh, which is only important if you're a person who grew up in the era of CDs in Best Buy for a long time. I said, no, it's nine days too late. If I can get a bunch of $2 CDs, I'm in there. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in there. You never know. Your so car when, rides CDs. You can't get it. So like CDs. Our new car just has CD player in it. I'm like, what? Yeah. Mm. Wait, you don't that's a brand new, brand new car. You CD. for sure have an aux player in there somewhere. I do. I have a CD player in there, I said. Well yeah, you'll always and have a CD. The dashboard. Yeah. There's the thing. Yeah. Some people don't have the aux in the dashboard. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> uh it's now only generating about four forty million dollars annually, which sounds like a lot of money, but that's very low Not compared to a company like that. Yeah, right? and uh while it's still while it is planning on pulling out CDs it will continue to carry vinyl for at least the next two years, keeping commitments to its sure. vendors. Um, also, again, vinyl has a longer life now because it's a. It seems like a piece of art. It seems like worth buying if but you're into music. Yeah. We, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but like mm-hmm. as guys who both have a ton of records, yeah. you know what I mean. I think in today's streaming age, if I'm going to buy a, a piece of physical media, which like I bought mm-hmm. some CDs offhand before, just to have something to listen to in a car that only plays mm-hmm. CDs, but like. If I'm going to buy something to hold on to, to like really be able to look at and like dig in with the artist, I'd rather have the big, giant yeah. piece of like you know art with the big booklet and that whole experience. Mm. It's a great point, and I agree with you because it does feel like you get something. Even with MP3s, when I was into the real streaming thing, you, you pay $8, $9 on iTunes, you're like, for what? Wait, you were buying albums on iTunes? Well, I mean, I, I I'm saying people do that. That was a that thing, one. right? How many? People... Like once? No, like I bought like six. I like five times in my life. Five, maybe. five or six times. Yeah. Bought an album on iTunes. Yeah, very rare. What albums? Why? I don't know. I just bought uh, a bunch of songs. This is before I got to Spotify and I all bought that. the filthy... Did you uh, just uh, download them? The filthy hunts. Uh, I don't know. I just bought them. Like you're maybe. without a doubt the worst pirate I've ever seen. <laughs> I bought the last Parquet Court. I bought the last Parquet Courts album because I couldn't find it on the internet at the time. Oh, yeah. And I really wanted it. And it was... Yeah, that's it. Um, and the other one, and this is the one that I should probably be excited about, but I'm not at all. Uh, did you know that gaming actually... Video gaming actually generated more total revenue last year than any other media platform for the first time ever. Does that count all like weird sort of like trash ball cell phone streaming yes. app gaming? Oh, yes. Wow. That's yeah. why. Uh, it's up well whereas other company you know even television is down like 8% from where it was in the previous year. Video games are up 10.7% pulling in 116 billion dollars in total revenue. It's because video games keep broadening what they are. Yes. And mm-hmm. even with download apps, you go through your Instagram and there's like a cool little like game on there and like, oh, that kind of looks cool. I think I'm going to go download it really mm-hmm. quick. Think about this, out. though. Mu- digital music sales last year at the same time pulled in $17 billion. That's $99 billion less. That's in- crazy. Yeah. It's just, a, it's, again, and you wonder, and Sad. I always... It's not necessarily. I, I I feel like it's sad, but I What's again. Sad? What is sad about it? I don't know. There's just some people are playing more games and they can be. Things doing are other changing. Things. And we're just, getting yeah, old. but they could be doing other things. Yeah, but they no, could be because active. they're downloading if, games. If TV numbers were up, they could be active and not watching TV. They I would be, be not I, watching that HBO. Also, I feel like games are worse. Why? I don't know because they're more portable with you all the time. Watching TV at home, but games are on your phone. They're Theoretically, but they're if. Not. You, if you're watching TV, you're passively consuming. If you're playing games, at least you're doing problem solving. You're playing hand-eye coordination. It stimulates the brains more than watching TV. Depends on what game you're playing. That's a great point too, because again, like, there's a difference between like Tetris and like I don't know, like Call of Duty. They're very different type of games. They do different, very types of things. If I saw a kid playing Call of Duty on his phone, a kid playing Tetris on his phone, I have a feeling I'd have different thoughts about each kid, right? Like I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, all right. 
Uh, we're, we went longer than I thought. Do you guys want to talk about the City of Utica Monopoly that was unveiled at the Boilermaker Expo? Did you guys that. I didn't know I didn't that know was, was a real. thing. I didn't know it was real. We are the Uticast. I always want to talk about the Utica thing first. Screw yeah. all the rest of them. This is the Uticast. Yeah. Let's so, talk about the city. So this is actually, this was uh, uh, premiered at the Boilermaker Expo uh, on Friday. I want this to is s- amazing. Is somebody making this? Uh, uh, okay, so G- uh, Gina Nicotera is the person, she's with the Cooley Group, who apparently did this, connected it through. Uh, it's a real thing they did with Parker Brothers. It's not just the kind of thing where you somebody made a graphic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you, she said that they do this for about six or seven cities a year. You actually have to fill out paperwork to do it and all this kind of stuff. So that's kind of cool. Uh, you can get them for forty five dollars. They're expensive, obviously, because they're I'm like so uh, into that though. Get it. Yeah, it's great yeah. though. Ordering uh, all my Christmas presents today. Shipping so to all my friends. Do they have Park Place out there, or is it like different parts of? Well, no, no, there? you got to change it, right? No, I know. Is it going to be like? I, I couldn't find. The info about what the places were. And what makes me sad is I really wish that they had made Maiden Utica Baltic Avenue. It would have been so perfect if we were just the purple spaces right at the beginning. Handshake City. Handshake City. The very first. The very. (laughs) We need a campaign. So, wait, what are those? So, if you're doing. If I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. You should have started this earlier because I got oh, 20 minutes. Man. <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to think. I don't uh, think, like, where If we, I'm doing it, the Gold Dome Bank has got to be. The blue, yeah, but so you're looking, you need, like, streets for the different properties, yeah. right? Because they're all streets. Yeah, Park they're Place. All streets. So, Genesee Street. Ritzy, like? Is, I wonder, it, gen- it must be Genesee Street and the Parkway? Yeah, the Parkway, parkway is the there. most sure thing blue space that you've got. Yeah. If you're sticking to just Utica, I mean, I guess you could do like, you know, Old Bag Genes- Square. Oh, no, Genesee. Something like that. Genesee Street seems so like it encompasses too yeah. much. You know it's going to be the odd. You know the odd's going to be one None of the properties. None of the Parkway is definitely one. Green yeah, on the same board. Go. Yeah, green. I'm thinking the odd is like green. Green's my favorite. I always buy that. I always buy the green. Yeah, I'm always thinking. I'm turning into a little bit too much of a homer because all the places I'm thinking in my head, brewery. brewery doesn't actually count. The brewery. You've got to have the brewery on there. But do those hold those like utility spots, like the railroads or stuff like that? Oh, like the, yeah, the Utica no, train I station feel would be. That would yeah, the train station, or maybe they do like, like if there are more sports teams, you would do like the. Because they're not just going to do the streets. They're not going to be like orange. They're like, well, technically like, York Street. They'll do like, like the, the dome. And, they'll do like locations mm-hmm. and stuff like that instead. They'll do spots. That's what we think, or pizza places instead of utilities. I'm really interested <laughs> to see what places. goes on in the chance and the community chest cards. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. I want to know. That's and, what is I it mean. available now? Like we should. Or for Handshake City to be free parking. Free, par- the free parking oh, yeah. spot would be amazing. So Shout it's out. already made in The free parking it. spot should be. I will send whatever money Gina Nicotera needs to get made in Utica to be the free parking spot. We're going to do some research on this. We're going to talk more about this. Uh, all right. So I had more stuff. We'll bump it to the next segment. Uh, let's get well, to I've this. I've got more Monopoly takes. I thought we were just talking about Oh, do you have more Monopoly takes? I mean, we haven't talked about what the pieces, pieces. are. Oh, the pieces. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. I heard one of the pieces. That was actually one of what the old. What is it? What did you uh, It's Tracks the Moose from Utica College, which makes me think there's going to be some sort of strong Utica College connection, so probably the college itself will also Utica be... Utica College deserves... Uh, is it a blue space, though? for here. I would say green or yellow in terms of, like, people... I'm not saying that it doesn't deserve it. I'm saying recognition. When people think of the city of landmarks, I wouldn't put it... I have no idea what somebody mean? from out of here thinks about stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. Somebody like who's not from here at all, like, where... Because a lot I'm of people who come tonight. here, a lot of people who come here, you know, they come because of Utica College, so it might <coughs> overrank. Maybe. From Maybe. a local head. That's a good point. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, pieces, tracks, the moves. Takes upon takes, man. Oh, man. You gotta get just like a, a piece of tomato pie. Something oh, like yeah, that. and Briggy. You get a like a moon. Union Club bottle. You get a half moon. 
Rainbow. Rainbow. Yeah. Oh, Rainbow. That's it. There's your piece. I think right you there. should make the next one. I should. You should contact I Parker. Should. I would like just... some money. <laughs> I wish we'd known more about this. Uh, all right. Send me forty dollars instead of the forty-five for the board, and I'll tell you what all my pieces. Would be. I can't provide the board, the game, or anything like that. Yeah, just... But I'll tell you my thoughts. Yeah. Forty dollars. If you want a good one to go. If you want a good one to go into break to, look up while I'm saying the outro, uh, Ultimate Monopoly. It's a real board game. Look for the board. It's pretty wild. Okay. Uh, all right, let's get into this week's interview with uh, returning guest Joanna Robertson, who uh, was here last time with GFOP. Joanna was so nice. A sweet lady. She was very, really, very nice. really nice. We had a lot of guests come over. She was a very sweet lady. Yeah, very, very nice. She was very cool. Came and talked to us. She watched uh, a little bit of the end of that soccer match she that was on. Nice she was very excited for the World Cup. Uh, she was here last time with Jack Flans. Uh, we love Jack, uh, but it was nice to have Joanna here for her own little solo interview talking about everything that's going on at the Treehouse Reading and Art Center in New York Mills. Uh, check out their new website, treehousebookshop.com. Uh, that's it. Let's get to an interview. We'll be back in just a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Clicking it extra times is not going to help it. No. It'll just make no. it mad and take even longer. I got to a point now if I'm working on like website stuff or updating the website, yeah. I save an update after almost every single like one thing I do. I'm like, because you know you, yeah. I know it's gonna fail at me. The one time yeah. that I try and push it. One time that I try yeah. yeah. Like I can do yeah, it's gonna <laughs> save. It's gonna save. It's all, it's there. Joanna Robertson, it's nice to see you again. Nice uh, to see you too. Uh Treehouse Reading and Arts Center. Yes, uh, five eighty-seven Main Street, New York Mills. How's things at the Reading and Arts Center? They're going pretty good. We're getting into a busy summer schedule, and yeah, I'll say you guys. We're are, busy. We're yeah. keeping kids busy. So <laughs> I say I start for my end. I start my summer school stuff for my kids like uh, this week coming up. Yeah. So I know that my kids are somewhat excited to come back <laughs> to school for three weeks in the summer. Uh, we have like yeah. a nice summer school program. It's not like a kids who failed. It's like an extra school. We try and so you do have some kids who want to be there. They're not. I mean, we try necessarily and necessarily force. I mean, no, no one, no kid ever <laughs> like wants to be there in yeah. the summertime as opposed to just like playing Fortnite on their on yeah. their living room. But yeah. uh, but you know, we try and make it like uh, more than just like coming and learn extra school. We take them on like field trips and stuff. And yeah, like that. you know, give them something That's... exciting to do in the summertime. Yeah, there's a lot of cool things in Utica that you can show kids in the summertime. That happen you... in the summertime, but yes. can happen when there's feet of snow covering <laughs> yeah. everything. Which is most other times of the year, except yeah. these three months. And you never know when you get late August. I'm always like, never know. I'm waiting yeah. for snow. Yeah, and you know June, so it's good you start in July. Because uh, Joanne, how's your summer been so far? Otherwise, for you personally, you've been enjoying yourself. It seems like we have just launched into it. Yeah. We did, I had one week of summer camp already that very first week out of school. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. So that just, you know, they were done with school and all of a sudden I'm like, we got to get ready for the next thing. So <laughs> we had a little break mm. over this week and now oh, we're getting nice. ready for lots more. So You're doing anything special for Boilermaker tomorrow? It's Boilermaker Sunday tomorrow. We have never had any special Boilermaker plans. <laughs> yeah. We've only, this will be our fourth summer here. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and every year it's like, oh yeah, there's this big thing going on and we should be a part of it. So. As a guy who ran it the last four years, I'm not running it this year. <laughs> Even the years that I ran it, I'm always like, is this the week? Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so soon. Yeah. I'm glad it's this weekend though, not last weekend. Because... Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It, to be fair, a couple of years in the past when I've done it, uh, it was really hot. Really, really hot. So and, uh, you took the wrong year off. It's early enough. In the, it's early enough in the morning most times where by the time it starts to yeah. get hot, you're pretty much already done. But it's still it's it's long. Yeah. Someone actually, I'm not I'm not committed to this yet. So by the time people hear this on the podcast, they'll be like, "Did you do it or not?" <laughs> Someone told me. I think a friend of the podcast, Katie Riley from Maiden Utica, told me that there's an extra uh, five five k bib that no one is using. So okay. I. I very brashly was like, all right, if no one else is going to use it, I'll do it. So now I'm like, So Wait, maybe you're not taking this I don't know if I'm taking it off now. I'm we'll not see. sure. We'll, <laughs> we'll find out tomorrow at like 6.30 in the morning when <laughs> I get like, woken up and like, you're going on this thing. And I'm like, oh, great. Which, to be fair, would be the same amount of prep that I put in for the Boilermaker last year. When I okay. <laughs> when you had known well ahead of time that you were doing it. So, uh, so Joanna, you, um, what's your title here at the... At the Treehouse, you the the head honcho, the big um, boss. What's your? Yeah, I'm the owner. Um, <laughs> I usually call myself owner and educator because mm. I do most of the planning of yeah. all of our educational Very endeavors nice. too. So. Um, and for folks uh, who may be wondering, yes, uh, Joanna has been on the show before. You were on about 20, 25 or so episodes ago with uh, with our good friend Jack Flans. Yeah. Uh, so just a quick reminder, if you want to just give p- people a quick sort of like byline elevator read about what it is you guys do over at Treehouse, just to remind everybody. Sure. We're a children's bookstore, mm-hmm. um, but we do a lot of extra things too. So we have reading, tutoring, music lessons, um, summer camps all summer long. Mm-hmm. What else do we do? Uh, book clubs and writing clubs. Nice. Um, those mm-hmm. go on during school years, but also during the mm-hmm. summer. We kind of have an abbreviated one that mixes reading and writing all yeah. together during the summer. I'm even trying some things to get some adults in with book clubs and mm-hmm. reading this yeah. summer too. So, do you work in tandem with like the public schools or the schools around you guys at all? Or I hope to as yeah. time goes on. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's tricky to build it, those it, relationships yes. with yeah. the public I'm, well, I know, schools. <laughs> as someone who works in that like, that <laughs> department, I understand how so, that works. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, they're a little bit, and I understand it. Certainly, naturally. A, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to jump into any relationship well, there's with a lot the of business protocol. right away, yeah. and I get that, so I'm mm-hmm. trying to... Things of... move very slowly and bureaucratically, yeah. as uh, I've learned yeah. over years. That's a pretty magnanimous wish for me to put that on. Yeah, so... <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you this question. I was having a... Just, I, I'm very curious about your opinion. I was just uh, talking to a friend of mine who works in the uh, the medical field, right? Mm-hmm. And we were sort of talking about, like, the, the hospital and why it's such a big hot button issue and mm-hmm. why people are so excited, you know, excited uh, or angry or, or, yeah, or, or, or otherwise about it, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons we came up with was that, you know, everyone, not everyone understands certain things, right? If there's a conversation about, like, taxes, some, some people aren't into, you know, but everyone yeah. has a medical story. Everyone knows having to go to the hospital, going to the hospital to see somebody. Education is sort of similar. People yeah. have very strong opinions mm-hmm. about education because... Education touches everybody right. in such a strong way. Do you know what I mean? Right. They've either, uh, I mean, obviously they've lived it. Yeah. Or... Well, even for good ways and bad ways. Yeah. Some people have like these experiences yeah. that are poor, and some people have these experiences that are great, and it sort of defines the yeah. way that they feel about education right. growing up. And then I think as parents, depending on mm. how that was for you as a child, that mm. you know colors that yes. feeling you have towards your kids' mm. education and, and mm-hmm. their experience too. So. Did you have any like moments when you were younger, like in education, that you felt like were like defining moments for you for how you felt about like 
where you stand on education today? Um, well, I loved school. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> my parents were teachers, I, so I was yeah, like, sort of, I was yeah, yeah. One of those. I, I just, I loved school. I loved, hmm. but I think there were, I had teachers along the way who were hmm. just important to me in seeing what, what school could be and what yeah. learning could be. And, you know, those teachers who gave you, like, a little bit more freedom or just showed you that you were important and mm-hmm. your ideas were important, and, like, that was really exciting to me. Like, oh, they care what I think. They mm-hmm. they think I have something important to say. The problem, I think, too, and it's something I notice with uh, students and also my niece and nephews, um, kids talk a lot, and they talk about a lot of stuff that... <laughs> parents don't always understand, right? Yeah. Like, I get my kids talking to me about stuff that I don't have any idea what they're talking about yeah. sometimes. But a lot of times it's just the idea of them feeling as though you heard them and yeah. listened to them or gave them your best yeah. attention. Because a lot of times I think adults have this bad habit of, like, blowing kids off a little bit. Like and when I'm they, totally yeah. guilty of that with mm. my own kids. <laughs> with your personal with your my children. My actual yeah. children. <laughs> That's different. You know them intimately. You read those things. We're like, listen to everything your child says because Mm. they're talking to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I have those moments where I feel very guilty because they are trying to talk to me about you know every little detail of the video game they were just playing that I was trying to tell them not to play anyway. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm like, oh, I'm not supposed to say that. It's weird because I do that too, right? Because my niece and my, my nephew particularly will like, he'll talk to me about like some YouTube celebrity yeah. and I'm like, I have no idea what you're yeah. talking about. And he'll just tell me like, oh, just ramble on. Yeah. And then I try and think back to like when I was a kid, like I'm sure that my poor mom had to listen to me ramble <laughs> on about like the Ninja Turtles. I'm like, and then there was a turtle and he fought Shredder. And she's like, yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So I try and relate it back to that the best I can. It's yeah. not always easy. Yeah. Uh, and then sometimes they come out with, in the middle of all of that, mm. they say something you're like, oh, I didn't know you knew that or I didn't <laughs> know you could do that, you know? And Working in middle school, one of the things that I always, that always freaks me out is... Uh, <laughs> Two things. One, kids are always listening and paying attention to you, yeah. right? Even when you don't realize it. I didn't realize... And then it comes back a, much yeah. later sometimes yeah. you realize, oh, they heard me say that. Okay. I drink a lot of coffee in class, <laughs> just in life in general as well. But, like, they picked up on that all the time, like, making fun of me for, like, carrying my coffee. Yeah. I didn't even notice it, right? They just pick up things in different ways. Yeah. But also, this, this is another one that makes me laugh. Kids will sometimes, when they get comfortable with you as a teacher, if you're in that kind of world... Yeah. They'll say things, especially my kids, because my kids are, like, middle schoolers. They'll forget you're, like, in the room or just ignore you and just start <laughs> staying and stuff. And I'm like, whoa, what are you guys talking about? Like, you know I'm in here, right? I can hear you guys. Uh, I'm sorry. I've gotten kind of off track oh, here that's again. All right. uh, I had a question for you before we dig into some of the talking points, though, that uh, that I had written down here mm-hmm. for us. Uh, on your on my research that I was doing, obviously, because I'm a professional research journalist, uh, <laughs> it says <laughs> like, that you oh, are... what did he dig up? Uh, I am, uh, it says you're an adjunct professor at Old Dominion, or you were? Yes, I huh. still am, yeah. which sounds strange because that's mm. in Virginia. Um, we lived there, we mm-hmm. lived in Norfolk, Virginia for a couple years, so yeah. I started teaching some courses with them where I saw the students that I was teaching, which (laughs) usually makes sense. Um, And then we moved to Northern Virginia, but I started doing a hybrid class Mm. where um, it was, like, through satellite. So I saw, like, 
five kids in front of me, and then there was right, like right, three right. more on a TV that I could sometimes oh see. Yeah, I've seen that in a couple of classrooms. Yeah. It, the downtown Utica College classrooms have some things working like that, too, yeah. as well, which is very surreal to me. Yes, it's very <laughs> strange. Like, you know they're out there, and sometimes you can hear them, and much more rarely I could see them. That's like in Tom getting old and stuff like that. It's just too weird for me. I'm yeah. like, where's the teachers? I'm yeah. so, <laughs> so, so then I went from that, though, mm. to an all online. Mm. So it's, you know, teaching those courses that are completely online. What were you teaching subject-wise? Um, so I do two of them now. Mm. One is just a general literacy course for teachers or mm-hmm. future teachers, um, where they do a little bit of everything about literacy. And then I also do another one that's word study, phonics, mm. and linguistics, which is kind of a tricky thing to teach. Yeah online through a computer but well what's interesting is I, I was again doing my research I looked at the many colleges you've attended Syracuse <laughs> uh, University of Maine SUNY Potsdam uh, I liked school remember what I, <laughs> I just kept going uh, but literacy English uh, communication that seems to be something that you've sort of uh made part of your 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 message or what you're interested in the most right and i think it's very fascinating considering that one of the things i've noticed in at least my level the middle school level english seems to be one of the hardest subjects for kids to get into and understand suddenly i love english when i was a kid because i like to read and i do think that kids still like to read i think the idea that kids don't read is is a misnomer my kids still read tons of books they just read weird teenage books that are all dry. Right. Or they read <laughs> things that aren't books. Yeah, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people don't count those things they read as reading. Right. Well everyone reads things that way too now. We yeah. just we don't let them read it. Yeah. yeah. Um but I, I do think that there is more of a struggle now for mm-hmm. kids to like get engaged in in reading and get sucked into that literacy world yeah. when it's distracting. There's a lot of distra- there's a lot more distractions there's than so many everywhere. Things yeah. Pulling them away mm. all the time. Mm. And I mean, what I see is that there's a lot of kids who come in and they are readers and they love to read and they want to talk about the books they've Mm -hmm. read and they're joining the reading clubs Mm -hmm. so they can talk about books with other kids. And, but I also have the other side where I'm doing reading tutoring and I see kids who don't love to read because they've struggled with it. And it's hard to love something that's hard to do every time you're told to do it. And... Yeah, I'm and that's you. why I do both things because I want to be a place where kids can come and talk <laughs> about the books, yeah. but I also want to make it not a struggle mm. for those kids who struggle, mm. so that they can someday mm. love to read too. It feels like I, I get into this internal debate with like the differentiated instruction stuff with a lot of my kids because I, I know it's like yeah. I, I'm dealing with kids a lot of times. It's like I have an English paper to write about this book. I don't know whatever uh, yeah. that Christmas Carol right, uh, and they just they are so. Like resistant. resistant to the yeah. idea of reading it, and what they'll do, and this is mind blowing to me as someone who loves to read, they will go on YouTube and watch a YouTube video of someone else reading the book, and then listen to that, which I guess is just yeah. sort of like listening to like the book on tape, right? Yeah. And I don't know how to feel about it. Like part of <laughs> me is like, as a teacher, I'm like, okay, if you are an auditory learner and you don't, I mean, maybe yeah. you just engage it more that way. But then as a person who loves to read and like a curmudgeon old man at heart, I'm like, you're lazy. You kids are so lazy. I <laughs> yeah. have I've listened to audiobooks. Yeah, 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 for sure. Car, mm-hmm. And I still have a really hard time saying I've read the books mm-hmm. that I listen to. Like if someone asks me, have you read this book? And I will first say yes. I'm like, well, actually, I listened mm-hmm. to it. Like I feel like I need to tell people <laughs> yes. that. Like I didn't experience. look at those words mm-hmm. with my eyes. I mm-hmm. listened to it. Yeah. So to me, I... I personally feel a difference. 
But I love right. some of those right. things that I listen to as audiobooks, mm. and I tell people to read the book because it was mm. a good story. <laughs> well, with an audiobook, too, sometimes the person who's reading it plays into it. Like, sometimes they get the actual author yeah. or, like, a person with a particularly uh, engaging voice right. to do it, and then it becomes part of the actual artistic form of it. Right. Like, it is the story as well as the way it's a presented. Performance yeah, it's a performance story. piece, yeah. right? This is uh, this on YouTube but, is pretty much like like a dry okay. reading. <laughs> it's like so. Why yeah. is that better? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like and Scrooge talked to Marley, and Marley <laughs> said that yeah. Like, okay, all right. Uh, I didn't know that those things existed, but I would rather what? they did that than let me tell you, you know, when you do you, cliff notes or that's copy, true as or well. Copy and paste. Oh, they look for cliff notes. The from problem spark notes into the problem essays, is from, which I've seen. It's hard for kids. Uh, Spark notes are hard to find. I've seen kids look for spark notes on the internet, especially at school computers, and they're pretty <laughs> locked out on it. Like, that. No, you can't get yeah. that. Try better, kid. Uh, no, it's it's a very strange thing, right? It's It feels, and again, I try so hard to fight against feeling like the old man in the room who's yelling at <laughs> clouds, but it is hard sometimes as a guy who grew up in that beginning of the yeah. internet generation before it was totally subversive into our culture, where... It's just, I feel like, I yeah. feel disconnected sometimes. And what scares me, at least sometimes with, with other teachers as well in the school who are older than me, I'm yeah. in like my early 30s. There are teachers who are in their 50s and 60s who have been there for a long time, yeah. and I can't imagine how disconnected that feels they must feel, them, yeah. right? Because it just seems like a whole new world for them. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've gotten off track, as per usual. Uh, so let me get back to the Treehouse Reading and Arts Center. And just before I get into our points, how long have you guys been at this current location? Um, we opened in March mm-hmm. 2017. 2017, so, so... It's only been a year, year and a few months. How are you feeling about this year and a few months? Do you feel like you're getting a good support from the community? Do you get yeah. good support? Yeah. I feel... I mean, there's still lots of people who will discover us for the first time, sure, sure. you know, every week someone says, <laughs> exactly. oh, I just found out you guys were here, so... There's, mm. We're still trying to get the word out there and let mm. people know that we're there. Mm. Um, but I also feel like we were, we have a pretty good following of people who mm. are excited that there's an independent bookstore and excited that there's places for their kids to go and do all of the activities that mm. we have. So I guess say it's one of those things, having nieces and nephews, there's like never enough like things to do with kids yeah. around. And see. <laughs> I, I, you can all... always do something new. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, I was told, and again, this was my professional journalism, there were three talking points that I was to bring up. Uh, All right. With you. Uh, one of them was the summer camps that you guys were talking about. Was that something as well? Um, yeah. yeah, so we have a different summer camp, almost a different themed summer camp almost every week of the mm-hmm. summer. I did... I took one off. I took one week off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go for yourself. That's yeah, all right. So yeah, so my family gets to see me a little bit. Um, but we basically take a different theme each of the weeks, and then we have stories and activities and games and crafts and you know, yeah. whatever we can build around that theme um, for the week of camp. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, the main idea is that the kids are going to come, and they're going to have fun, and they'll be with other kids. And mm-hmm. um, But... I sneak in that little bit of, like, we read some stories, and <laughs> maybe we sneak in a little bit of, like, writing something, oh, or... That's, that's ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just a little tiny bit so that they don't realize they're still yeah. maybe practicing those literacy skills over the summer. But if nothing else, just the activities and the talking about the themes, they're doing, you know, they're thinking. They're thinking over the summer, which is, I it's hard to get kids to do. It's, it's weird. It's funny in this day and age, the benefits, I feel like, of just simply having children interacting in a room together yeah. um, and finding ways to make things that they find unpalatable a little bit less unpalatable. I'm actually very pro board games with kids. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, even, I know a lot of I know some yeah. that's not always a very popular thing. I've had <laughs> teachers come in like, "What are you just playing games in here?" I'm like, yeah. "It's social skills. are talking to each other. They're like, yeah. I don't well, know if you ever see these kids in the real world taking turns and yeah. not fighting during a board game. That takes uh-huh. a lot of restraint. I, I so they sometimes <laughs> like to make up their own rules and then have mm. to check with me like I'm the rules baron. They're like, "Can you look up the rules for Othello?" I'm like, I. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, just pretend I'm reading yeah. it from the rules. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's it's just funny. Like, those little things, and the other one, I think, I used to try and do writing prompts, right? Find, mm-hmm. like, a funny way to get them to write, like, four sentences. Yeah. Like, you just won the lottery. Tell me what you would do with your... Like, if you can disguise it. It's like exercise right. for a guy my age. Can you... Can I disguise it as something less <laughs> unpalatable? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and those summer camps can be found. That's uh, you guys have the Facebook page. We have a Facebook page and our we have a web page now. Oh, nice! Which is relatively new. So ah. um, yeah. Do you have the website, or should I? We'll have to link it um, afterwards. It's www.treehousebookshop.com. Treehouse. It's relatively easy. Treehousebookshop.com. Excellent. I'll go ahead and push that again yeah. at the end. So, um, it, yeah, they're all on our calendar there, and they're nice. all on our on our Facebook page. And this could run us through the rest of the summertime yeah. or just through this? Um, through the rest of the summer. July nice. 23rd is the only week we don't have a camp. Very nice. But we have a, um, Harry Potter's birthday comes up in the middle of the summer, so we have a whole camp about <laughs> I mean, just, Harry Potter. We and, just talked about Harry Potter. It's crazy what it... I always think about, like, a lot of the big, like, things that are, like, in the culture nowadays, like Marvel and Star yeah. Wars go back, like, 60, 70, 80 years. It's crazy that Harry Potter's only kind of within, like, it's the lab. Yeah. It's sort of new, right? It's like a new cultural <laughs> well, thing. Well, it seems new because it was around when I was already an adult. So that's why it seems new to me. When the first... But it was n- <laughs> yeah. not for everybody. <laughs> when the first book came out, I uh, we've talked about this many times in the show, I was just on the verge. I'm like, I think I'm too old for this, right? Uh, I'm seeing the names of stuff and it's all like Hufflepuff and I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know yeah. how I feel about it. Alright. <laughs> I'm sorry. So did you read them at that age? Or did no, you go I, back and read so them later? The stuff did, that I have didn't, you I never didn't, read them? I've seen, okay. I, I read the first... <laughs> my, mom, my mom always bought me books. Mom was a first grade teacher and I, I give her all the credit for why I still read to this day and why I like to read yeah. and I like to write. Because when I was a little kid, she really just sat in bed and would read me like a little, like a golden book or whatever mm-hmm. they had. She had tons and tons of books, right? Uh, and as I get older, she gave me all sorts of like books that she thought I should read. Like she gave me like Where the Red Fern Grows mm-hmm. and Bridget Terabithia and just like yeah, really made one. me sad. Like really, like depressed. I don't know why she was trying to only Trying to like be depressed. Book. I know. She just showed me to learn something, right? And I read all like the classics and stuff like that. But I also, because of that, I've talked about it many times, I started pursuing stuff that was probably a little bit older than I should have been reading in an early age, right? Like, I was reading, like, the Goosebumps books were right in the same range, and those were popular for kids in my era, but I was reading Stephen King books at, like, 15, probably at ages where I was on the verge of too young, Uh, and, you know, and by the time, like... Harry Potter was a thing. I had already read like Stephen King books. I was like, yeah, ah, so that seemed like, yeah. he's out of here, uh, wizards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did see all the movies, which I guess is a, an indictment. That I've seen all the movies, but never read any books. All right. right? Well, if I'm ever back, I'm going to see if you've read any of the books since. Then. I've gotten, I've gotten negged on by a lot of people for not being. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the movie. I, they do a fairly good job with the movies, but I think there's so much more you understand about. Mm some of the fine yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. there's just a lot going on in some of those relationships mm. that you miss 
from the movies. Well, I feel like with the movies, you start to look at the actors, right? Like, I go to the, I saw the movies, and I'm like, hey, it's Alan Rickman. Oh, my God, I love that guy, right? Like, you know, I get distracted a lot of times when I watch (laughs) the movies. Uh, All right, so I have two more things I wanted to talk about with you. Uh, The other one was you guys are doing a book collection for the Literary Coalition. Is that something as well? Yeah, so throughout the summer, Mm -hmm. um, Literacy Coalition is always, we're pushing for getting more and more kids' books all the time um, because those are the books that, go the quickest when we put them out on the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially in the summer, we want to be able to have our shelves stocked with those kids' books so that you know kids who don't have easy access to books sure. can get them through the summer. Um, we're also leading towards an event at the end of the summer where some teachers who might also not have you know, mm-hmm. full budgets to get a bunch of kids books for a classroom library <laughs> yeah. um, to have some of those books available for them. Mm-hmm. So have like a couple weeks where they can come and you know, nice. pick out some books for their classroom mm-hmm. too. So it's such a strange world now where like I, I you know I work I work for an organization that luckily enough for us like we are we're done we, we work through like an LPP, right? So we right. have some funding that comes from nonprofit stuff. From we we're allowed to, yeah. we have resources, you know, we would go to Colgate Salvage a lot of time and find stuff there, but we were, I'm lucky that a lot of times I'm able to get the stuff I can, and I know that a lot of the teachers I work with, especially in the public school sector, right. really struggle right. uh, with the resources that are available. And I think what can be hard, especially when you have middle grades, is that there's such a wide range of reading levels at those grades, so mm-hmm. you might might be more easily able to justify, oh, I need books that are at the fifth grade level or the sixth yeah. grade level, but what if you have readers at the third grade level or above and you need those resources too? You know, so. kids don't take books home anymore. That's something I was like totally flabbergasted when I got back into the teaching world. Yeah. I was like, do the kids not carry books now? Now they just print everything out on binders and there's like one set of books for the classroom. Right. And generally, and I'm just saying this from my opinion, they're never like either up to date or in great shape, generally. Yeah, one yeah. or the other. Yeah, yeah. It's one, it, yeah or both sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's great, though, that you guys, you know, it's that's the important stuff as well, too, is, like, making sure that we can you right. know, provide for these people. Right? And that's in part of, we have the books, the Literacy Coalition has, I think, 35-ish bookshelves mm-hmm. throughout Oneida and Herkimer County that we put the books there. But we're also starting to realize that maybe the easier way to get the books to the kids mm-hmm. is with the help of teachers, too. So yeah. if we can get them... Mm. teachers in the classroom and then if you've you know gone and picked up a whole bunch of books mm. that you didn't have to mm. pay personally for and now you're going to like write your name in those you're going to make sure mm. they stay in the classroom but if a kid really loves the book yeah and you say you can take that one and it's you know it's another <laughs> yeah. way to get those books like into their mm. hands and into their homes if that's yeah. where the kids want to read so the nice part about working with teachers too is teachers much like all crazy people are highly motivated <laughs> people we're very highly motivated to get work done yeah uh, and I have one last one you guys are doing a I wasn't sure about this one is a where's Waldo shop local initiative this, yeah. So yeah I need some explanation so, on this so yeah. this comes through well it's, um, American Booksellers Association yep. is sort of the lead on it mm-hmm. um, and they work with Candlewick Press who's the publisher of the where's Waldo books mm-hmm. so they've actually been doing this for quite a few years um, my family saw it when we were visiting in Washington State um, mm. quite a few years ago, and it was really fun. And so it starts with independent bookstores. So nice. I was one, and this year I was like, hey, I can do this <laughs> yeah. now. Um, so um, we have 22 total businesses, including the Treehouse, um, who hide a like six-inch cardboard cutout of Waldo somewhere in That's their business. Nice. <laughs> 
<laughs> and there's a passport, so you can collect it at any one of those businesses. Very nice. And whenever you find Waldo, you get a stamp or a signature really cool, at actually. the store. So yeah, yeah. you're, you know, gets people out. <laughs> and maybe you've gone to three or four of the places mm. on there, but you haven't gone to some others. So oh, it yeah. kind of encourages people to try some places that they might not have had a re- specific reason to go check out before. So There's one thing we're experts here at at Made in Utica. It's passports. We know all about <laughs> passports, products that send yeah. people places. And, uh, and this is all. This, this also is on the website as well, if um, you want to know about this? The, there is a list on the website of all of the stores Very and cool. businesses that are participating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, it's very... I've, the question that I've gotten the most... Um, as it's gotten started, is like, what ages is it for? Yeah, yeah that's a great um, point. Yeah. So that really, the searching is for any ages sure. at all. Any, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Anyone any, who likes Waldo. <laughs> right. Anyone <laughs> who knows who Waldo is or <laughs> will recognize him if you show, yeah, yeah. who wants to look around. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess kids might have more fun finding Waldo, but again, like, I'm the kind of person that I would bring my kids to find Waldo so I could have the fun, not necessarily for them. So yeah, yeah. if adults want to play Waldo, that's totally fine. You don't need to, you know, borrow no excuse, your neighbor's fine. child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally cool to yeah, play no yourself. Pressure. It's all right. Um, we have a couple events yeah, very that nice. are like the one at the Dunham Library, okay. July 16th, mm. and then the final event will be at the Treehouse, July 31st. And um, if you find 17 of the 22 Waldos, mm. you get entered for a grand prize, oh, and that will be drawn on the 31st. Do we know what the grand prize is? Not announced um, Well, there was at least one big prize mm. of a set of Waldo books, but we're working Very on nice. some extra prizes, too. Let's see too, what goes so. on. Let's see what goes on here. And again, so. folks, that's treehousebookshop.com, yes. and also on Facebook, Treehouse, uh, Treehouse Reading and Art Center. Or you can stop by 587 Main Street, Suite 304, yes. New York Mills. Um and again, Joanna Robertson, I want to thank you for coming in today. It's a beautiful Saturday. You could have been doing anything else. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for chatting with me. It's always a pleasure. Before I let you go, uh, I know you've done lightning round questions here last time you were on, so I, yes. I cultivated some some change up ones. These are our, sort of our secondary questions. Right. Are you ready for a few quick questions on the way out of here? All right, uh, Joanna Robertson, uh, owner, head honcho, Treehouse Reading and Arts Center. Uh, if you had to choose, if you feel like you could be the most successful, what game show would you like to go on? Um, I'm gonna say Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. See, I, <laughs> I, I feel like whenever I watch Jeopardy, I answer a lot of stuff and I feel really confident. But if I was there live, yeah, I would not. I would know nothing. <laughs> I would know not one thing. Wheel of Fortune feels like I. I don't think I've ever been good at Wheel of Fortune. I'm well, more of a Price Is Right man myself. <laughs> I mean, I do a lot of you know word puzzles. And That's I'm true. Just, yeah, and yeah. scrambling words, and so I feel like I. Hmm. But yeah, I get really excited when Jeopardy has like that column that like this is the one I'm going to be good at. But yes, but I can't guarantee that they would give me all of those. <laughs> I was actually we I was playing Jeopardy on regular Nintendo, which is as terrible as it sounds. A couple <laughs> days because I found that on this emulator that we were playing, and I was really enjoying it. And then somewhere in the in the second round, I spelled something like one letter incorrectly, uh, and I they got it wrong. I got frustrated, turned the game. Yeah. Uh, right. Spelling shouldn't count. <laughs> say it out loud on the show. Uh, all right, so uh, imagine that you are on the world's largest cereal aisle, uh, price not according, uh, full autonomy. What cereal are you getting from the world's largest breakfast cereal aisle? I'm a boring cereal person. Really? Yeah. So my go-to is Honey Nut Cheerios. Honey Nut Cheerios are awesome. It's not boring. I mean, you I'm can't an apple cinnamon Cheerios guy, but that's okay. I'm not going to hold that <laughs> against you. Cheerios has gotten. 
outrageous though. There's a billion different types of yeah, Cheerios now. There's like too much variety. I don't know. They have the fruity Cheerios, which are just bootleg tricks, like our uh, um, Fruit Loops, right? It's right, just, because it's... they're also anything new <laughs> yeah. that one. It's like, well, they make that too. That yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So you got to go with the original Honey Nut Cheerios. I would say Oreos and Cheerios have really decided that just we're going to put every flavor available. Yeah. Like, I, saw, I, was, I was in the grocery There's store some... yesterday. There's Cherry Cola yeah. Oreos. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You've gotten a little too. No, they're, I, I appreciate the, the, the attempt, I suppose. I think people buy them just to try them and then they have one. And, and you never eat them again. Yeah. That happened once with me. Someone got the candy corn ones. It was like one of the first ones I remember yeah. and I was like, ah, okay. It was like tasted like a toothache. Tastes like a trip to the dentist. Um, if you, what's your number one uh, vacation spot that you have not yet been to? I want to go to Norway. Norway. That's Very where nice. I would go. I've heard there's a lot of excellent like uh, restaurants in Norway. Oh. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do my research on these crazy oh, restaurants okay. around the world. <laughs> All right. Uh, why Norway? Just do you have is that do you have like roots there? Just always been interested. No, I just culture? see pictures yeah. and I just feel like that would be an awesome place to go. Very nice. So. Uh, if you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who is not your relative, who would it be and why? I would have dinner with Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma. Because I play the cello. I'll say famous cellist so. <laughs> for people who haven't heard. That's the name I yes. remember from growing up. <laughs> um, but also because, well, he plays mm. the cello, but he just seems like a genuinely nice mm. person. And I like famous people who seem like nice people who actually care about the world and what they do mm. well that's so. there's less and less it feels like as yeah. the days go by especially the more and more I look on social media I'm yeah. like what happened yeah so far I haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard anything but yeah I think I, I just would he seems a very interesting mm. person sure not just that he plays mm. the instrument I play so uh, give me one book album movie or television show you are currently reading listening to or watching the book I'm reading right now is Sing, Unburied, Sing. It's gotten a lot heard about of this. Yeah, yeah. talk recently, but mm-hmm. I'm only a little bit of the way in. Sure. So. I, I, sw- I was doing like my run through on like the oh, books of the year so yeah. far, and there's that's the name I've yeah, seen a couple times that pops up, up in there. You like reading fiction? You a fiction reader? Yes. I feel like as I do the schooling thing, I'm in grad school still, I really am not as allowed for the most part to have the time to read fiction yeah. so when i do get the opportunity i try and i try and find yeah, yeah the chance to but uh just getting harder with all this education stuff i have to read all these i days. don't yeah, yeah. I, when i was of all those schools that you listed mm. i was I went to school <laughs> yeah. for a really long time and yeah you have to read so many articles and that i had to, had to stop reading <laughs> yeah because it was always there was too much other stuff to read but I, well, you know, owning a bookstore should make it really easy to read <laughs> books all the time. But I still have to try to make the time to read. Well, because you know what it is? I, get, I was a history major. You get caught up reading some of these articles, and there's like just literary stuff. And it's, yeah. it's like long research articles. It's like, no, it's all analytical mm-hmm. and no narrative stuff. It's just like, here's the soil breakdowns of the Mayan <laughs> Peninsula. I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is putting me to sleep. Did you uh, read historical fiction? Uh, yes and no. I actually just. Uh, got a new book that I've been sort of pitching on the show that is vaguely historical fiction, I think. It's called Lovecraft Country. They're also turning it into an HBO show, so I wanted to read it. it. Yeah, I wanted to get on it before they turned it into a thing, right? Unlike those Harry Potter books. Exactly, exactly. the movies first. Yeah, it's about, like, the the South and, uh, like, Lovecraft creatures and, like, racism and, like, uh, it's really, it seems really cool and I'm very excited. 
I planned on reading it when I went to D.C. a few weeks ago, but then just read an old Stephen King short stories book again because I'm <laughs> lazy. Uh, it's, like, it's like Netflix. I, yeah. I look at Netflix. I scroll through all the things. I say, oh, there's all these crazy movies. What am I going to watch? Just The Office for like the 900th time. Like I'm just going to rewatch The Office or Friends. Uh, last but not least, again, Joanna Robertson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank last you. but not least, uh, besides uh, education, literacy, uh, helping out the kids and teachers of this community, <laughs> give me one more thing that you are passionate about. Oh, geez. But that was like everything. <laughs> <laughs> no personal passions of your um, own? Or? Well, I kayak. Kayak, very do nice. things like that. This is yeah. good weather for it, finally. It is, yeah. It's yeah. not like so steaming hot that you don't <laughs> melt in the middle of the lake. So. I mean, I'm a I'm Middle Eastern, I'm Italian, I'm used to like, yeah. the, the, well, my cultures that come from heat, right? But I'm still, I'm dying. I'm, yeah. I'm dying out here. Yeah, this weekend's the perfect weekend, though. This yeah. has been a really nice weekend. Yeah. Uh, we have our Maiden Utica movies tonight, which by the time people hear this will have already happened, so I'm sure you were all there, right? Um, <laughs> good to see you all. <laughs> good to see you all. Uh, no, so, you know, I'm glad that we didn't have to sit through the, 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 the death swamp fog yeah. in the last few days. Uh, Joanna, best of luck with everything coming up. Again, folks, treehousebookshop.com. Uh, check it out. Um, and yeah, thanks for being on here twice. Two-timers club. Thank you. Great, great job. Excellent. <laughs> we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Again, Joanna Robertson, newest member, Two Timers Club, had a great time talking to her. You know what's nice about talking to education folks is uh, when you work in the education field, like we start talking about something and then just get off on whole other tangents about education because mm-hmm. everyone has takes. And that was actually something that I've been thinking about a lot this week because I was even talking to people. I met up with uh, someone this week who was starting a podcast to talk with them, and we were talking about like the medical field, right? They're going to put it out on Tuesdays too? No. Mm-hmm. Right. Shout out. Um, <laughs> And uh, one of the things I was talking about medicine, and we're talking about medicine and education, right? These are two things that everybody has some connection to, right? If we sit here and talk about, like, HBO, right, not everyone's going to have a connection to that. But everyone has an experience with education, whether as a good one or a bad one, as a kid, as an adult, and everyone has an opinion on it. And that's why when you get into education, I think that's why those discussions become so heated and so tense, because it really is something that everyone... Uh, at least in this, you know, in here can relate to. So The concept of education is one of the biggest reasons that I want you to watch The Wire now. Yeah. Because season four, each season's got sort of like a focus, and season four is all about the inner city school education. Mm. Like, that's the central theme yeah. and focus piece for season four, which is probably the best season, and it's amazing, and you would get a lot out of it. Hmm. I always love talking to people in education, though, because education as a field forces you to have a sort of a, a wide view yeah. and a wide view of interests and things you're knowledgeable about and know about. And I always have great conversations with people in the yeah, education we have field. Friends I always notice that. We're teachers and when we go to mm-hmm. dinner, it's always kind of like a, not yelling, mm-hmm. but very, Passion. str- very passionate. Because you don't go into, they don't pay you enough to go into a job like that unless you care a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not just like, yeah, hey, I'm this investment banker. Who knows? You know what yep. I mean? Yep. Uh, I do have history lessons, but just very quickly, there were some things I wanted to talk about. Uh, I was going to do a, just a quick, I'm done with this guy, because everyone's done with him, to Scott Pruitt, Bye finally Scott. out at the EPA. Finally. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, let's just soak it in for another five seconds. Well. One, two, <laughs> three, four, 
five, his replacement is so much worse. It's yeah. like Scott Pruitt without the dumb scandals, so uh, he's going to do an even worse job of just destroying the environment. Uh, this is scary. Yeah. You're going to wish Scott Pruitt was back very soon. Uh, and the other one, again, this, I sort of talked about this earlier. At 9 p.m. tonight, uh, as we're recording this on Monday, Donald Trump is going to uh, announce the Supreme Court justice decision, so... By the time this show is already finished and taped and put on the air, he'll release it. So maybe next week we'll talk about it. I'm sure it'll be depressing. <laughs> uh, you know, as a as a liberal, or the, you know, the people that as they call me, I do feel like this Supreme Court thing is the first time that I've felt like we're taking I a really, really hard hell here. This is not good at even all. Even as a woman, and too. I even, very, the, even the first vulnerable. one. They stole that first seat. Yeah, they refused I, to hold a vote on Merrick Garland for almost a full calendar year. That's unprecedented. They should just put him back in America. I'm just put him. If, if honestly, if I will tell you this, if he comes out here and he nominates Merrick Garland, he's like, this guy's a good son of the road. You know, been this and this. If he does the completely unthinkable, he would never do that. I will sit here and tip my cap to, I'd be to President Trump yeah. next week. Yeah, if they put Merrick Garland, that's the best compromise you could ever hope for. Never gonna happen. No, zero. You're gonna get some lunatic. You're gonna get like Judge Napolitano. I don't want to yeah. think about it. Like they're gonna put Janine uh, Pirro from Fox News. <laughs> I'm having a headache. You think I'm kidding? You don't even have to be a judge or a lawyer to put uh, the Supreme I know. Court. You can put anybody on the Supreme Court. Put you on. Um, they could though. Like that's. Okay. I think. Uh, I think you have to be maybe like 35. Ice cream truck. There it is. Put him on. He yeah. wants, once a week. Every week now. We're... He comes around every day. Every day. Yeah. I see this man's out here grinding. I would love to get a look at his books and see what like wear and tear on that horrible abduction vehicle he drives <laughs> and like just overhead on ice cream and keeping it frozen like how much you making if you're selling them for a buck my son's like what's that what's that I'm like any any of our listeners that, that are, are ice cream truck drivers please uh, call into the show next week by the way we gotta start having call-ins by next week so yeah, it's true. The ice cream drivers <laughs> Let's work on that yeah. uh, the other story we have not talked about for three weeks because it's still ongoing is these uh, soccer team and their yes, coach in Thailand Thailand yeah they've got, boys eight, the they've got eight of them out now as of today I think or yesterday now, I, I'm trying to figure this out. I've read a lot of different takes on this. Are they blaming the coach for this? I'm, they've not really coach said, the but team. I'm, I'm blaming him because they went by signs that said, do not go any farther. So he's brought those kids into that cave. Why did he bring them in there, though? Wasn't it like idiot. flooding or something? No, I think they were just kind of exploring. Huh. Well... Yeah, it's a, aren't they're children, right? They're yeah. children, and the yeah, coach yeah. is the adult. Yeah, so it's his fault. Yeah, I blame yeah, the coach. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I mean, he, it doesn't say one hundred percent of the blame square the rest of you, sir. But you're the adult in the situation. Yeah, mm. like parents entrusted you to to this man. Yep. And this man's got you stuck in a <laughs> in a cave in Thailand. Seems God. Is there a worse place to be no. stuck? By the no, way, that's, that's what I was gonna say when we were talking about talking about it. I'm not like claustrophobic by rule. No, I don't me. generally get, but like something like that where you're. The, the most horrifying thing to me is you see these people go crawling through caves like, all right, we've got to pass through this crevice where I've got to get in my stomach and, like, wedge my belly through and, like, completely get through a crack that I can I barely fit through. I can't imagine getting stuck. No. I read the most horrifying story I ever read about caving was this guy fell into a crack like that, but it was down, so he fell in head first. And there was no way to get him out oh where he was because it fell, like, 120 feet, so he was stuck upside down head first. Oh, like hundreds of yards under the earth for like three days in the complete darkness, wedged in upside down at first, and just died there. And it's I just still like there. someone shoot me, please. Just for shoot like me. if that yeah. ever happens, just guys, if we ever take a Unicast <laughs> caving expedition <laughs> to the okay, how if cameras. we ever do this, and I get stuck in a crevice like that, and there's no hope of rescue, and I'm gonna have to just ride it out, kill me. Okay. Did you know how caverns has like an advanced? Thing yeah, you can sure do, do where you can like crawl where you crawl GFOT, your hands and, like... um Steve Anderson has done that before. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. They give you like the the headlamp set. Yeah. 
I haven't been to Howe Caverns since I was in probably sixth grade, and I always, I haven't thought about it in a couple of years, but I would love to go back. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Howe Caverns. Mm-hmm. Let's do the show from Howe Caverns next week. Yes. Uh, all right, let's 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 blast through these history lessons real quick. Um, we've talked about it many times in the show before. Uh, on this day, 1960, Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee was published. It's dope. I don't, I'm don't. Yes. not going to talk about it for a third year in a row. I am going to teach it again this year, though, for my students. So uh, Read it. Yeah. And if you want to read it but don't have a copy, um, sure tweet me and I will send you a copy. Um, I'm not kidding. It's true. It's one. Of, it's probably somebody your... tweeted me last week. They did, oh. and I responded. Wow. Yeah, I, I would. Compl- I would. I would like to tell what? the story because it's a funny story. Go ahead. Really I love it. Me, but I don't want to derail do. the history. No, no. Go ahead, please, yeah. please. I'm gonna refill my coffee. So I went out to breakfast uh, last week. Okay. I don't remember what day it was. Maybe. I, I don't know. It was like 4th of July. It was something like that. I went out to breakfast one day, and I walked into uh, Castlewood Cafe over where Powerhouse Gym mm-hmm. is over on Champlain Ave. Um, and I know one of the girls that works there. Her family owns it. We used to work together at a restaurant years ago, and it's all fine and good. So I go over there, and as we're sitting down, the waitress seats us, and she looks at me. She goes, oh, my God, how are you? She's like, I didn't recognize you, like, with the beard and everything. I look back at this waitress. I have no idea who this woman is. Like, I've never seen this lady. And it was like early in the morning, so I just sort of stared at her. I'm like, yeah. And I just kind of looked at her. And I just stopped and I'm looking, so she went away and she never came back. She switched tables off. Come to find out like the next day or something, it was this girl that I used to know from years ago, was friends with another band we play with, our buddies Doc and Dave and everybody mm-hmm. like that. And she would come around and like, we were friends and we maintained, you know, she's somebody who talks a lot on Twitter. But like, it's, you know, it's been five, six, seven years and I haven't seen you. And like, you know, your hair is different, you got different tattoos, your face is different. Like, I just I didn't know you that well. And so she just sends me this tweet. She's like, yeah, just, you know, thanks for making it super awkward when I tried to say hi to you yesterday at my oh. family's restaurant. It was really cool. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I didn't, that was you. Like, I felt bad because I was talking the whole time. I'm like, this girl must have thought I was somebody else. Yeah. She must feel like such a jerk. Turns out, surprise, surprise, I was the jerk. But I responded and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I was, I couldn't figure out what it was. Ah, oh, no way. She's like, I'm like, I've had a beard for 10 years, so you said you didn't recognize me because of the beard. I figured you didn't know me, because like, I've always had a beard. So it wasn't so long. I'm like, I, all right, I'm off right. of Twitter. Yeah. Uncharacteristically meathead behavior from you, Kevin, I have to admit. Yeah. yeah. As my yeah. husband would say. Every <laughs> once in a while, I mean, I'm listening, as a locally renowned meathead with uh, <laughs> no thoughts in my brain besides thoughts of steaks and weights. Steaks and weights. <laughs> I love it. Clanking, clanking, and, clanking and banging. Uh, on this day, mm. 1981, uh, the Disney film Fox and the Hound was released. At the time, it was the most expensive animated film of all time, costing $12 million. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know the names of the two actors who played the voices of the Fox and the Hound? Famous Hollywood actors. Were they guys from Grumpy Old Men? No, no, that'd be great though, wouldn't it? Amazing. I'd be shocked if you got any of these. Child Fox played by Walter Matthau. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell and Mickey Rooney were the two oh. uh, Fox and the Hound. As a kid, I, I loved this movie. I don't this remember their. Movies, you don't remember this though. one? I know. I remember that. I just don't remember the voices. Uh, I, yeah, I don't. What I year? What year did it come out? Uh, it came out in eighty one, but it was re released in theaters in eighty eight. Uh, the Fox and the Hound. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah, eighty eight. They, they re released. I feel like it came out much later in our childhood than eighty eight. I think because our parents introdu- well, introduced everything to us again. Yeah, right? but I feel like I had seen everything. I feel like I remember the Fox and the Hound being like an event when I was a kid. Eighty eight. You're probably almost three. Yeah, I mean later yeah. than that. Maybe when it went, you know, you know what, when Disney movies went to the clamshell releases, that used to be a big thing because they didn't release they would re-release. all the. They mm-hmm. really so maybe yeah. that's what I'm remembering. Uh, I liked this movie as a kid, I did too. Uh, but it is apparently considered to be one of the the more uh, unpopular movies in the entire Disney canon. For sure, uh, 
Uh, I looked this up. They ranked every... This was from Cinema Blend, if you're looking for my sourcing. Uh, every Walt Disney Animated Studio feature ranked... We will not do all of them. I just did the lowest ones, so you guys get an idea of where they put it, okay? And if you guys know any of these ones, let me know. Number 56 is a movie called Home on the Range, and is an animated movie about cows from 2004? What? Um, no. Yeah, look we at that one. You see that one? Disney movie? Yeah. We're still doing the show? We're yeah. talking We are. All right. So you have another <laughs> like, uh, how about the I've bla- never heard of that movie at all. How about 55, The Black Cauldron? Uh, that was a vaguely. Vaguely. My sister liked this one. This is before our time, I think. Vaguely. 54, The Aristocats. People don't like that one, apparently. I like that one. It's a good And then number 53 is Fox and the Hound. That's I where number... Fox yeah. and I can't believe that's... I think that's kind of harsh because they have it below Oliver and Company, which is an objectively bad movie, except Billy Joel's in it. Yeah, but Oliver had a lot of... uh, Music? He had a lot of uh, gumption. He did have a lot of gumption. And then 51 is Chicken Little. I'd go farther on the list, but this is one of those obnoxious websites where you have to click Mm, through multiple pages. I hate that. Will not read your list. Yeah, refuse to do it. Uh, All right. Moving on. On this day in 1985, this is kind of a scummy story. Uh, so Penthouse and Playboy magazine. Remember when those were a big deal when like, For like sure. porno mags were like uh, just like mainstream. It's all you had. Yeah, it's all you had, There's right? No internet or anything. Uh, on this day in 1985, Penthouse and Playboy uh, used old model artist photos from 1978 of Madonna and posted them in their magazine as the cover story. Nude photos of Madonna. Uh, at the time in 1978, she got paid like thirty or fifty dollars to pose in these nude sessions for an artist. Uh, and because of that, and she didn't actually own the prints, she couldn't uh, prevent the publication, so they put them out anyway. Kind of shady. Yeah, it's awful. And it seems like a story you'd hear, like, today, sadly, right? It's like a really terrible story. Penthouse but... did that? Yeah, Penthouse and Playboy both oh. released these to the public in 1985. Uh, Madonna, though, to her part, just sort of was like, yeah, I ain't ashamed, it's fine. There's nothing else you're going to do. you got to lean into it, do? because, yeah. like, I mean, really, at the end of the day, you know, you can't... You know, wrong or right, you can't sue these people. They have the rights to the photo. That's yeah. the way the laws are split. Yeah. They paid the money for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, the only thing that you sucks. can do... Yeah, of course it sucks. But, like, if you're going to have to deal with it, the only thing you can do to handle it gracefully is to lean into it. I know Playboy... Smart on her part, I think. I know Playboy still exists because it's, like, a brand and people are aware of it. Does Penthouse still exist? All these other... Like, there was a time... I'm sure. When, I'm sure they I'm do, sure it does, but... Yeah. I don't know. I remember that was like as a kid that was like the golden if you could find a Playboy somewhere and you well, were I like remember, in the nineties like, oh like you would find a Playboy like somebody like stealing from the dad or something like that and then you're at a young age then somebody steals a penthouse you're like oh 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 this is a whole there was a big difference when yes you were a kid. it's true I big difference in the level of well, we're all little boys different world you found a hustler that was a whole different that's a whole that was even further even further down the the rabbit hole that was worse that was the worst of the three. Um... And uh, let's skip 1991. I was going to say Axl Rose got sentenced to, uh, or he got arrested for getting uh, in a fight with the crowd at a concert in St. Louis. Uh, and I just got to thinking, is was Axl Rose like the wildest celebrity of all? Like, who's a celebrity who partied harder or got in more trouble than Axl Rose? James Brown. James Brown. I didn't know that. Uh, James Brown. James Mor- uh, Jim Morrison? No. I feel like Jim Morrison, always heard Axel Rose Jim Morrison got drunk and pulled out his dick. Like, yeah, he was yeah. dead too early to do anything crazy. Who, if, if a celeb, what celebrity are you least excited to show up at your house party? Out of all celebrities? Out of all celebrities. Current uh, day, I mean, like Lindsay like, Lohan? There's all that, like, the... <laughs> Courtney Love when she was awful. She was just a disaster. Courtney Love. She'd be, like, one person I know. Like, there's, like, a lot of people for, like, a lot of different reasons, too. <laughs> 90s era Dennis Rodman. <laughs> like, See, I'm into it. Like, that's yeah, yeah. Party in. That's true. A lot of these people sound like they know how to party. 
It's they're, they're, they're coming to my party. Well, they partied like, before your party. Yeah, so <laughs> let's keep the party going. I'm dead yet. Uh, and last but not least, in this year, uh, on this day, 2000, uh, Coldplay released their debut album, Parachutes, uh, which to this uh, at this point in time has sold upwards of eight and a half million albums, uh, mm. making it the 45th best-selling album of all time, which I thought was kind of crazy until 45th I... 45th of all time, really? Of all time, yeah. Good era, though, the 2000s, to sell a lot Coldplay of albums. Then. True. Uh, True. Cold, Coldplay had four singles off of this album. Well, three major singles off this album. Can you name any of them? Yeah, for sure. Something yellow. Uh, yellow. <laughs> yeah, yellow. That was one, yeah. Yellow, Trouble, Yep. Sparks... Oh, that one wasn't the one I found. That there. was the one from uh, Wedding Crashers. A song called Shiver, they said on here. Okay. And then a song called Don't Panic, which is not a Don't real panic. single. Don't Panic, yeah, yeah. That's, that's your jam. That is It's my, also my jam. That's, a, that's one of my favorite Coldplay songs my, ever was. Yeah. Back I when they were still ripping off a wider variety of rip-hop acts before they got like their own voice, they, they were <laughs> a little bit more blended in the music mm-hmm. they were making. Uh... Chris Martin from Coldplay has actually gone on to sort of like downplay that he likes this album anymore as he gets farther away from her. Although I kind of take that with a grain of salt. Like I think every artist kind of like hates their old music and it's kind of like anything that you first start doing. Of you're course, like, I it's, can embar- do better it's now. embarrassing to go back and listen to something like you were like a young kid and like you're a lot more aggressive about the things you were doing, but like you're a lot less like grounded in who you mm-hmm. become. I can see that. Is Coldplay an unfairly maligned band? Three billion percent. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it just because Chris Martin gets this impression of being like kind of a pretentious dick? No, he where where do you get that from? Because I don't know, anytime, but that seems to be the anytime you see. I think the problem is that he's a little bit too aw shocks. Too aw shocks. People buy that as fake. Um, I honestly, it's all because of that joke from Forty Year Old Virgin. Mm-hmm. That's where like yeah. a, literally a ton of it. I mean, that was a huge movie. So it was like, you know how I know you're gay? You listen to Coldplay, That's right? I remember that. And people that. would say yes. that all the time, and that was a big part. Yes. But like, it's easy. It's easy to knock like soft, like sensitive sort of singing, sad boy songs. Mm-hmm. But when you go back and listen to a lot of those albums, a lot of stuff is not the singles, especially those first, I'd say two to four albums. There's a lot of really interesting music that those guys are doing, and. It's been the same four dudes for a long time. So, yeah, they're unfairly maligned. Can I talk about the fact that Yellow by Coldplay was, like, the song of my most, like, impactful relationship growing up? That was, like, <laughs> all of us awesome were going through that, was like, that was, like, the, when I had, like, the most impactful relationship, that was our He's song. He's got a painting. I have a, show painting. You. I have a swear to God, I have a painting. Stop. It has the word no, yellow. It has the word right. yellow on it. We'll show it to you after the cast. It's downstairs. It. It's downstairs in the basement. I'll show it to you. We'll put it on the Instagram. Let's Please. let's lay sand bear. Yeah. yeah, lay me bear on the streets. All right, so that's it for history lessons this week. That's, that's a real history that lesson is for you. Uh, all right, so let's uh, again. I've gone longer with this than I planned to uh, because we did that other extra stuff from the first segment. So let's just go through this as quick as possible. Uh, I saw this earlier this week. Uh, a newspaper in Texas called the Liberty County Volunteer or Vindicator, something like that. Uh, I was doing a thing on the 4th of July where it was posting uh, excerpts from the Declaration of Independence, and they're doing it like paragraph by paragraph. One of the paragraph, uh, one of the, the 10th post, which is paragraphs 26 through 31, got deleted on Facebook under hate speech uh, because that section of the uh, Declaration of Independence talks about uh, Native American Indians in, like, a, in a hate form. call them savages. Yeah, it calls them Indian savages. That's right. Uh so I don't have it, you know, I understand why it was taken down because the algorithm caught it. But doesn't this speak sort of poorly about Facebook's ability to monitor itself? Yeah, like, Facebook's, to not know? A, Facebook's a sewer and it's evil and it's ruining the world. 
That's a great point. Yeah, <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like, they say, they, they go out here and sort of be like, oh, we made a mistake. You see all these commercials on TV that's Facebook's like, oh, oh yeah. You they're, know, they're, they're, they're lying. They're lying. Okay. That's, I just thought it was interesting. That's all. No, no, it is. I'm, 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 not, <laughs> yes. trying to, listen, I'm not trying to smash your whole story into the ground, but like, yeah, they're lying. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I just thought, you know, they're just relying on the algorithms again to do it. They, they apologize, put it back up, and like, oh, sorry, like, we didn't... They have no control. Dr. Frankenstein has lost control of the monster. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the cow right. is out of the barn, right. whatever they say. Keep going. Um, earlier this week, Seattle became the first major U.S. city to ban plastic straws and utensils. This has been going on... About in, it. Uh, this has been going on in smaller towns across, uh, across the U.S., Malibu, uh, Miami Beach, Fort Myers in Florida, places mm-hmm. in Europe. Uh, should we make this our Uticast thing? Should we get Utica to ban plastic straws and utensils? Can this yeah, be our? Could. I think it's great. And cops too. Our cops. If you could. Mm. Uh, outside of the U.S., Scotland plans on banning them. Uh, this is from the Strawless Ocean campaign. One of the things is that drinking straws are apparently too lightweight to make it through uh, recycling sorters. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times they just end out getting shot up I'm into trash. the wind. In have the you sea. seen the videos where turtles have them stuck in their nose Ugh. and they yeah. just like yeah. players that take them on their sure. pain and they're crying. It's well, terrible. <laughs> straws are sharp in a weird way. Like not in the way you would think about it but like it's a hard sharp edge sharp piece enough. of plastic. I can yeah. get a straw yeah. right now and I can definitely put a mark on you. Please don't. <laughs> but I could. Like, uh, you could. Like you could. You down too, he was like, looking for a place to do it. Yeah, where can I do it? Because Sam contributes very heavily to the straw problem in this world. He uses so many straws. I've never seen a kid I reuse straws. I reuse straws. I do reuse Paper straws are worse. Are they one of those either? Yeah. What's wrong with those? They, they get wet. Disgusting. They, get they wet. come all they papery. You get paper in your no, mouth. No, they don't. It takes sure. a while. Sure what, are you eating it? But no. Why would you, it takes why would you, a while uh, for a paper why would you eat it? Well, Tyler? you obviously are they're they're coming apart it? in your mouth mm. like that. No, make them out of Just metal. Just saying they're not that. This is my straw. Metal's good. Make this out of metal. This is my straw. And this is just our... I will close with this today. We... Kev, you mentioned something to me earlier that you read about HBO's... We talked about HBO earlier. You mentioned that HBO is pushing a Game of Thrones prequel. It's their next thing that they're trying to sell. What was hilarious about it to me was I saw an article like two days ago. It was like, the final Game of Thrones filming wraps forever. And then two days later, it's like, Game of Thrones prequel filming starts immediately. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Because people always tell me to watch this show. I haven't seen any of it yet. Like, now you're going to make a prequel too? How much time do I have? Where's my Sons of Anarchy prequel? Here's what kills me. I promised it years ago. <laughs> Here's what kills me is we talked about the HBO thing. This is how you make new content, right? This is how you push out more content. False. You, no, I, I'm not. I'm not. I agree with you. But what I'm saying is, in their mind, this is like let's expand this universe that we already know has a huge fan base. Let's turn Game of Thrones into mm-hmm. fucking Star Wars, right? Yeah. Let's turn this into the Game of Thrones extended universe. Mm-hmm. Why am I bringing this up? Because I need to make a simple plea. This is not the only thing that HBO mm, has talked about are. rebooting. I see uh, where we are. Earlier this week, longtime HBO collaborator Alan Taylor signed on to direct the Sopranos prequel movie, The Many oh, Saints. Oh, movie? Yeah, The uh, Many Saints of Newark. Uh, it is a film set... Terrible name. Yeah, terrible, really terrible name. Uh, I, I blame that on David Chase being like an old dude from a different era where like titles like that were like, yeah... The Many Saints seem like a dramatic title. Like, I feel like David Chase is an old man. Um, it's a prequel film they set... They all are old men. It's ruining the world. It's very true. Prequel set in the 1960s. Uh, just by... Now, again, they've only signed on, um, basically, a director here. So it doesn't mean that this is totally going to happen. But you know it's going to happen, because, of course, it's going to happen. Where's, where's my Deadwood my Deadwood sequel or movie I've been waiting for? They've been talking about that for, like, ten years. Deadwood's not very good. It's not that Deadwood's oh, not very good, like but De- Deadwood, really good. Deadwood was a little unfocused. 
Deadwood yes. could never figure out what they were doing. Prequels for shows are never good. Yeah, has there been a good prequel show for no, anything? They even did like, like going for The Walking Dead, and what happens is, is in the actual show you get invested in your those I only, characters. I watched the first season of that like on a whim yeah. once. Fear the Walking Dead, just because yeah. I liked The Walking Dead, and I was bummed some of the choices they made, and so whatever. Um, I really enjoyed that. It's first still, season. Is it going in season four right now? I, I think, have no idea. Something? But my, I, I didn't go past because the first season wrapped up so well, and I moved to something else. But my favorite thing about like zombie shows, I like. The change. Yeah. I don't want to see what happened like a year later when the zombies are already hitting your survival. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, but I want to see the like I'm grocery shopping and like here's this weird news report and I don't really know and like what's wrong with that guy and then like no. watching it spin out of control. That's my favorite. Part. I know. Just I mm. hate like getting invested in characters mm. and going over and starting with all new characters. Mm. Agree. Like uh, I'm with you. Like I feel like there's no. I think when Gandolfini died, you just got it. That's it. Just stop. Yeah. Just stop right there. Leave it the way it is. It's fine. It's like yeah, the Nirvana thing. Like, no, you can do a prequel. This is going to be the song You Know You're Right by Nirvana that came out like 20 years later and they tried to pretend it was like a new song even though it had just been sitting there forever, right? Like, I just, I don't buy it. I, I'm with you. The upcoming Sopranos prequel is reportedly set during the Newark riots that took place in the late 60s between the city's Italian and African-American communities. Uh, it's unclear whether the film will expand on the episode Down Neck, which featured flashbacks of a young Tony Soprano during that time. I'm also, that's really the part that I think concerns me, like... I was complaining about them making this Han Solo movie and, like, let's take the most famous character played by this guy and then have him play by someone else, right? And that's what I feel like is going to happen. It's going to be one of my favorite characters of all time yeah. played by somebody who's not the guy you well, you're going to People get emotionally invested in their yeah. characters. Yeah, but it's different than the Han Solo thing, right? Because, like, when know. they showed, when they, in The Sopranos, Tony was, what, in, like, his late 40s? Yeah. Probably early 50s. Yeah. So if they show him as a 16-year-old, I certainly want to see Gandolfini playing a 16-year-old Tony... Because this story is going to be about Uncle June and Uncle about June. Tony Sr., you know what I mean? <laughs> Uncle June, I've been shot! Ah, Uncle June! Ah! Sorry. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about that. Uncle Jr. is... <laughs> Before Mark Marin and Glow, Uncle Jr. was my television spirit animal. I was like, that's what I'm going to be like when I'm older. What's that's maybe the transgression. Maybe I'll turn into Mark Marin and then lose all my hair and turn into Uncle Jr. Well, it's interesting with prequels, too, because if you do a sequel, like, say they restarted The Wire. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. talking about The Wire a lot, but I just finished it. I'm thinking about it because it really is one of the better shows I've ever seen. Um, if you were to, like, do The Wire now, like, say we're bringing back The Wire... They're all cops and politicians and gangsters and all that different stuff. So you're just like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's 10 years later or yeah, you know, whatever right. it is. You know what I mean? They're, yeah, they're older, but yeah. it's still the city of Baltimore. But when you go to a prequel, then you got to start finding actors. And, well, this guy looks a lot like him, but he's a terrible actor. This guy's a great actor, but he's blonde. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, let me ask you this question. And again, I'm, I'm out on this project already. But mm -hmm. <laughs> would you be more interested in a sequel that had, like, the kids and relatives of no. the... No, that's worse, no. right? Okay, because no, I agree with... For the Sopranos specifically, because by the time Sopranos was over, there was nobody left. Right, so I guess you... They didn't like, bring up any young characters. AJ? Like, what does AJ have? AJ's happen? horrible. Yeah, AJ's the worst AJ's, character on the show. If you ever make an argument over why the Sopranos isn't the best show on TV, it's because they cast the wrong actor at too young of an age, and they couldn't develop mm. the son character in a show that was Heaven's almost alive. all about father-son characters. But he was such a bad actor that in those later seasons... When he should have been supplanting and joining, the actor was so terrible, they had to keep him off TV and recalibrate what they were going to do. He was, like, he had go-away heat, which we were, like, he, yeah, he was on the... X-Pac heat. You, you just saw him on TV, and you're like, oh, God, it's going to be terrible. horrible at everything. hate him so much. He was horrible at every... I, I don't oh. know if I've ever seen such a bad actor in such a large, prestigious show. Yeah, and I think that's what happens when... This happens a lot of times in, like, Roseanne, right? Like, you cast DJ as a little kid, and then nine years later, he's an awkward teenager who can't act, 
Right, you know what I'm saying? Like as an adult, as an adult, right? That happens to Soprano. Sopranos is more of an example of that because AJ was older and he had more to do as the seasons got farther on, and he was not capable of carrying it. Had he been a better actor, though, had he been some prodigious young actor in a different world, he would have been one of the most important characters in the show. Oh yeah. And at this point, he's the main guy. He's Tony Soprano's son, and he barely registers. If Christopher was alive, you could have had a show about Christopher. I'm just saying he's my favorite character. You could you could never ever have Christopher Carey all show. Just give me a Pauly show. What about a Pauly Walnuts? I'm and into Silvio the Pauly show. That's gonna be a thirty minute comedy. <laughs> Pauly and Silvio riding in a car between like between hits. That's the whole show. It's just half an hour of them going between mob things, talking about stuff. Silvio's too chill for Pauly. There wouldn't be enough conflict. You need. <laughs> that's that's it. gangsters and cars going <laughs> to hits. This is the new Soprano sequel. It's just like twenty minute interludes of the different actors and cars going to hits. Here's my Sopranos prequel, sequel HBO. Please take my take my idea and do this. Just instead. wait because the Vinny Chase Vinny Chase prequel's coming. Oh, <laughs> Sopranos x Vinny Chase crossover. All right. Uh, thanks again for joining us, folks, for this episode of the Uticast. Uh, Heather, any recommendations for people before we head out? I'm going to do new. Any books, movies, television shows, anything recommended for the folks? can't think of anything at the moment off the top of my head. Except for if you haven't watched Glow, make sure you're watching it. Glow. It's awesome. Very good, What's going Kev? on right now? Recommendations for the people and things. Um, yeah, watch The Wire, man, if you haven't. It is what they said it was. Yeah, The Wire's yeah. pretty good. Uh, I already said Glow. Here's a YouTube channel. Go download Defunct Land. It's my favorite YouTube channel. You love Defunct I do Land. love Defunct Land. It's about old theme park rides that closed down and reasons why. I find oh, stuff I like, like that I find stuff. stuff like that very interesting. You watch a lot of Defunct Land. I watch that. You always leave and you never stay to hang out, but you would like everything that I goes on like at this an place. Hour. <laughs> you literally never stay for an hour. Oh my God. Follow Heather. I'll be uh, here for an hour. Follow, follow me. Follow Heather on the show. Talk to me because I'll respond. Follow Heather out the door. <laughs> follow Kevin <laughs> underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me. Father whose response you always wanted but never got and was rare. So it's worth more. Follow me. Yeah. me. <laughs> Don't follow Don't any. Me. Don't follow any of us. Just follow the Uticast. Uh, we are an Apple Podcast. Uh, Stitcher, number one podcast on Android, taking over the web. Uh, that's it. Sign our humanoids. Uh, keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, yeah. That's all I got. We'll catch you next week. 160. <laughs>